Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel from On Sham and Synagogue and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Tazria, The Power of Childbirth. Are you easily terrified? In other words, if someone <laughs> like sneaks up on you, do you jump and, and all the rest? Um, yeah, my kid's pretty good at spooking me. Lola's really good at that. Um, but other than that, no, like horror movies don't really send me shrieking um oh. except for maybe like um wizard of oz that one still scares me but most movies no I, and I, i'm mostly pretty chill so the monkeys get you yeah still to this day um yeah, yeah i have to say i get a bit of a shoulder i i'm very i'm a little different i jump you know when you know when there's something happens suddenly on television and uh you know my kids also have enjoyed doing that over the years <laughs> of like sneaking up on me or scaring me or all the rest it's an interesting thing that in the Hebrew language, the word yira can mean fear or terror, but it can also mean awe. So it's kind of this intersection of those two ideas that something that can be awesome can also be terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, there's definitely a link there if you think about just, you know, even just in nature, right? Some, you know, staying at the edge of the, of the Grand Canyon, hard to think of anything more awesome than that physically, geographically, but it's also, it's also kind of scary. Um, not just the fear of falling, but just to see how small you are compared to well, everything around you. Yeah. I, anyone who's ever witnessed a childbirth, which, you know, there's a lot of blood and there's this kind of baby emerging and kind of just, the tension in the room and the awesomeness of the whole thing, it really brings that term to its full meaning. You know, it's awesome, but it's terrifying at the same time. It seems impossible, right? You, when, you, when, you, when you watch it or even when you think about it, you feel like this can't really be happening. Um, it's, right. it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling, mind-blowing. And of course, you know, being the man, the husband and the... Um, in the birthing room, it's like, what do you what do you do with yourself? I got my camera ready. I'm here. <laughs> yes, you try, uh, to, I, you try I, to be I, there. You try to hold the hand. You try to, but you know, what what do I do here, right? And whatever you do, don't glance at the TV to see what's happening in the football game. I learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can I, I hear that. I hear that a lot of a lot of uh, people are, are relating to you right now, Jonathan. <laughs> On both sides of the gender equation, on all sides of the gender equation, I think, yeah. The reason I mention all this is that this week's portion, Tazria, moves us from the holiness and that entire realm of pure and impure, from the sacrificial cult, from the tabernacle, to the human body. And so it's an interesting move that the holiness is not just in the realm of the temple or the Mishkan or the holy things of God, but beings created in the image of God also bear that. And so childbirth then becomes this amalgam of holiness and wonder and terror. It brings that these two ideas that intersect in the word yira together. And it's interesting that the portion then says that a woman who has given birth is considered tame, which we translate as impure for seven days for a son 
or 14 days for a daughter. The logic is that this revolves around the blood here. Something out of the ordinary is happening. So you come into contact with blood. That's not an ordinary occurrence. And this profusion of emitting blood is something that it rates the term tame. And a daughter who is born also bears that ability to menstruate and to give birth in that way. And therefore, you double that period of being tame. In our society, the danger of that terminology is, is that we can also relate it to good and bad, which is a, a huge mistake and a deep misunderstanding of how the biblical person thought about that universe. So I want to put that whole issue aside, but I want to kind of come back to this idea that the Torah is telling you that something wondrous, awesome, and terrifying has happened, and that we need to kind of pay attention to it. It's not just the wonder of the baby being born, but this kind of birthing, you know, in the larger, wondrous, natural sense. I find that to be not only a powerful idea, but an idea that is very relevant today. It's a really interesting question. And, you know, obviously the body is full of awesome wonders. Its very existence is an awesome wonder. And we, we marvel at the many functions, especially when they're working properly. Is there any one function of the body that's more awesome than giving birth? I don't know. I certainly can't think of one. I think that's what the Torah is pointing us to, is that beyond the child itself, something wondrous has happened. The fact that we can reproduce in this way and bring children into the world is wondrous. And the, and the method or the um, experience of childbirth is wondrous. We need to contextualize that and raise it up. What does it mean to be Tame? Is she is allowed to rest and her husband can't approach her, which is also an important piece here out of respect for women and their needs and their rights. But putting that aside, what I want to get to is whether or not we still approach childbirth in that wondrous way. Or have we become so scientifically minded, whether it's through fertility efforts when couples have trouble conceiving, or the reproductive rights debate in this society where we tend to focus on a woman's right to her own body. People who wear T-shirts, women who wear T-shirts, I keep your hands off of my body. Understand it, and we, you know, we've talked about the abortion issue and how Jewish law approaches it. In a uh, universe where we are debating reproductive freedom or the latest scientific breakthrough in, or even cloning, what happens to the wonder of it? Right. What happens as we begin to understand things better? Do they lose their awe and their sense of wonder? It's an interesting question. And um, in some cases, our knowledge is, is obviously you know, beneficial to our understanding because for a long time, and I wrote this book about the invention of the birth control pill. So I did a little research on the history of, of contraception and on just our knowledge of how um, the reproductive system worked. And you know, for a long time, people thought that the woman was just a vessel. 
that the man was really making the baby, that the child grew directly from the sperm, um, the seed, the semen, um, which means seed. The belief was that the man was just planting his seed and the baby was growing from the man and the woman was considered like a flower pot or an incubator. That was our bias for a long, long time, for thousands of years. And it wasn't until the 20th century that we began to really understand how the child was born. Does that change the dynamic of how we treat the woman? And it certainly changed the dynamic in terms of how we treat the woman in terms of thinking about her rights in this process. Well, it's interesting that the word, it just to kind of pick up on what you're saying, that, that idea about that the sperm containing kind of this prototype of the child that we plant like a seed and they grow. And, and so the woman becomes the earth as a word for this to take place. That's contained in the word Tazria, which is the name of the portion, right? Which is about childbirth. But the root word is Zera, which is a seed. So it's mm. exactly that idea. Wow. Right. On the one level, when we are dealing with this, we also have to deal with our biases and how that impacts birthing, how men understood and then ultimately society understood childbirth was really a reflection of the power dynamic. Right, right. And are we in danger when we can create or help create children with artificial insemination and other processes? And we're still seeing a lot of change there. Does that reduce our awe for the process? Does that make us... Um, feel like we're more in control of this and that it's somehow mysterious and majestic? I think that there's a lot to that. I think there's a theological notion called the God of the gaps. In other words, God is present when we can't explain something through science. But the gaps become more narrow as we understand the world, mm -hmm. right? The world becomes a little less awesome, a little less fearful when you understand how things actually happen. So do we lose that in the process? I think that there's something to that. I think so the process of procreation can become very scientific, but what happens to the wonder of birth? I do wonder. I know that when, you, when, you, when it happens in the moment, I think it'd be very hard not to have that wondrous moment. And I know we share that even though some of us glance at television screens at this <laughs> wondrous thing. Right. But what's the score? But I think there's a, another piece to this conversation, which is if you are in awe of this moment, if you appreciate not only the gift of childbirth, the wonder of childbirth, the role of the holy in childbirth, that God is somehow part of this equation from a Jewish point of view, what responsibilities do you have? I think, and I, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here, but I think that this is a very strong argument for responsibility for couples. In other words, this is a strong argument for contraception. If you really take that idea of the holiness of childbirth, the wondrous nature of it seriously, then you want to make sure that you don't misuse that in your desire to have sexual relations. We have a lot of options here. The pill, as you know, as you wrote so brilliantly, really revolutionized society and freed women in ways that no one could have really predicted. Here, I think in the realm of contraception, that's a place where both parties can be involved in those decisions. 
and say, it's not just we, we're not ready for a baby now, we don't want one, or the last thing we need is this, but what does it mean to not just look at ourselves, but understand that we're part of something larger and that we have a responsibility to guard human life as well? Yeah, that's, I think that's a great point. Rabbi, and I think um, it goes a long way to reminding us just how wrong we were when we thought of the um, the, the child growing from the seed uh, alone, and that the woman was merely, uh, you know, a, a vessel. And I think that the the really valuable lesson there, and it's one that um, my wife reminds me often, is that you may have watched, but you have no idea what what was involved and what she went through and what she felt emotionally and physically and to have that kind of awe as well to have that kind of respect and to appreciate what you don't know what you can never know completely which is another person's feelings and experiences even someone you you love and live with for many many years that's a kind of humility that i think we need uh, to really appreciate the the awe of this experience i think that's exactly right well, thank you, Jonathan. I think this has been a really important, important and interesting conversation. Me too. Thanks, Rabbi.